was the Feast of Dedication in Jerusalem, and it was winter. And Jesus walked into the temple in Solomon's porch. Hey, y'all want to go to Israel? No, I'm serious. Y'all want to go to Israel? We got to plan a church trip to Israel. I'm, I'm, I'm dead serious. I just read and be like, I've been to Solomon's porch. Like, I, it's wild when you're, when you're standing in the Bible. It'll blow your mind. Not this year. You can't plan any years. It's a grip. You got to say it. You got to plan for that. But union takes over Israel. That'd be a fun trip. All right, here we go. Then the Jews surrounded him and said to him, how long do you keep us in doubt? If you are the Christ, just say so. Jesus answered them, I told you, you don't believe me. The works, somebody say the works. The works that I do in my Father's name, they bear witness of me. All right, I'm going to pound on the pulpit and take two seconds. Y'all ready for this? God never intended for people to be guilted into salvation. He never intended for people to be argued into a relationship with God. He didn't want people getting saved after you could wrap your mind around the concept of a good God. He said, I want them to experience me. I don't need you to be convinced. I need you to have an encounter. Because when you run into me, you'll never be able to deny what you ran into. He said, I've been doing all these works. Why I got to tell you who I am? Why not? Let me show you. He said, but you don't believe in me. Because you're not my sheep. As I said to you, my sheep hear my voice. And I know them and they follow me. And I give them eternal life. And they shall never perish. Neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. And no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. Let's pray. Father God, we can't imagine what you can do. But here's what we know. We know there's faith in the room. There's faith for healing. There's faith for deliverance. There's faith for creative ideas. There's faith for restoration. So God, we, come on, say this with me. I'll say, God, have your way in my life. God, we say, have your way. Move as only you can move. In Jesus' name. Amen and amen. That call and response is a little dicey because I phrase and I'm like, okay, shut up. Let me finish my prayer. But <laughs> I, I've, I've discovered that different cultures have different ways of insulting people without them knowing unless you're from that culture. And if you're an outsider, you may think it's a compliment. Not realizing they talk, they talking about you. Look at you and say, they're talking about you. They're talking about you. Like for example, when you go down south, I'm not from the south, I'm from Maryland, but when you go down south, they may say something like, Oh, bless your heart. I'm not from the south. When you say bless my heart, I, re I receive, I receive. I grew up word of faith. I received that blessing, 10, 30, 100 fold. God, I receive your blessing. It's not a blessing. What, what they're really saying is, ooh, you simple. It, it's, it's a put down that you ain't that bright. And it's a major insult when it's, oh, bless her little heart. 
Why my heart got to be little? I thought I had a big heart. What do you mean my little? It's, it's, it's an insult. We've, we've got a lot of Africans in, in our church from, as you, as you can hear, all over. My wife's from Sierra Leone, Nigerian, Ghanaians, everything. I love it because I can just start jumping. I just start talking about Jollof rice and everybody just... By the way, it still is white rice with Tabasco sauce in it. It ain't that special. It's just, I don't get what the hype is all about. One of the things an African may call you is they said, oh, you're a goat or you're a silly goat. What I've discovered is a goat in Africa ain't a goat in America. If somebody says you're the goat in America, it's all caps, G-O-A-T, greatest of all times. LeBron's the goat, Kobe's the goat, or, 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 or Tom Brady, or whatever it may be. When, when, when an African says you're a goat, what they mean is chopped liver. They mean we're going to dice you up and put you on a plate somewhere because you're not good for anything else other than to be a meal. It's, it's once again, it's all different ways just to call somebody simple. By the way, we have the same thing at Union Church. I don't know if you know, you may be new, you don't know how people talk around here. This, I'm just telling you, if somebody looks at you and says, oh, you look cute. Can I tell you what they mean? What they mean is, did you look in the mirror this morning? You got you to be from around here to know. You walk around, oh, they said I look cute. No, that's not what they meant. Or they may sound like, oh, you look different. Was that a compliment? Are you like, I'm missing this. Every culture has a backhanded way of insulting people. And guess what I discovered? It's biblical. God actually put backhanded insults in scripture talking about you. And if you don't know how to recognize them, God's saying something about you. You missing it. Let me give you, okay, I'm gonna read this verse. And let me know, flowers, let me know if you can hear the insult in this verse. Y'all ready? Here we go. Psalm 100, verse 3. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Huh? I missed it. Look at your neighbor and say, did you get the insult? Did you? I missed it. Can I give you a clue? Bye. God said, here's how I see my believers. Y'all some sheep. Now, if you're not in the farming and all this, you may not know this. Y'all, let me, let me say it the way someone was talking. Sheep, sheep are the most simple animal. <laughs> the most unintelligent. Like, in terms of IQ... You probably got like groundhog sheep. <laughs> Y'all, sheep ain't that bright. It's a lot of research. Sheep are, are, are so not bright, they can't survive without a shepherd. So, so there's still sheep, you, you put them in the field, grass, whatever, they're eating grass. They're so focused on eating that grass that they can't even perceive that they're on the edge of a cliff or a ravine or a steep and will fall off a cliff eating. Look at somebody say, that ain't that bright. That ain't that bright. That ain't that bright. And, 
and sheep, they're animal, they're herding animals, which means one sheep will always follow the sheep in front of them. So if one sheep is eating and he don't see the cliff and he falls off, guess what every other sheep is going to do? Your mama ever asked you if all your friends jumped off a bridge, would you do it too? Well, apparently God thinks you would because <laughs> sheep cannot find food on their own. They can't, they would literally die without a sheep. And God said, y'all, y'all my sheep. I said, man, can I be your dog? You ever notice that? You read the whole Bible. He never said, man, my Christians, they're the lions of the earth. I mean, he get, why he get to be the lion of the tribe of Judah? Don't that make me a cub? No, it makes me a sheep. God says, let's do it this way. You be sheep. I be shepherd. It's better that way. Today's message is entitled, It's Better That Way. God is saying, if I can get you to see in your mind that you're a sheep. So I'm telling you, I know it sounds like an insult. Trust me, it's better that way. You will have more peace, more joy, more fulfillment if you let him be the shepherd and you be the sheep. Three quick thoughts. Quick thought. First thought is this. His sheep have a good shepherd. Oh, y'all really insulted. Y'all just hurt right now. Just Oh, he not going to clean that up? I really is a sheep. Man. His sheep have a good shepherd. I have worked my entire life since I was 13 years old. Now, some of y'all may know the laws in Maryland, and you may know you're not allowed to legally work until you're 15 and nine months. I didn't say I've legally worked. I just said I've worked. Made money. I'm from Baltimore. We know how to hustle. For 13, I'm doing odds and ends. 14, I start cutting grass. 15, I'm doing this. 16, I finally got my first real job. Worst job a 16-year-old could ever get, y'all. I got a job at Foot Locker. <laughs> Wearing a little referee shirt. You know why Foot Locker is the worst job for a 16? Because you make no money. From 16 to 18, they would hand me my paycheck. I would hand it right back. Can I get them J's? I'll take that jersey right there. Let me tune them fit is. Listen, I was fly and broke. <laughs> Couldn't tell me nothing. I have my own money. I have my own job. The only time I have not had a job since I was 13 was the first year, freshman year, first semester. My dad said, I just want you to go focus on your grades. Don't worry about working. Don't worry about... I'm like, Dad. He said, listen, if you get good grades, then you can... Y'all, I busted my tail that first semester because like, I don't do this broke deal, okay? I got to get a job. Y'all brag. I went to college, ate oodles and noodles for four years. Nah, bro. I was a Ruth Chris. I ain't eating nobody's oodles and noodles. I wasn't made for that. I can't live like that. I need... Came home Christmas, showed him my grades, got me a job January 1st. I said, I can't. And you know why? Because I never wanted to rely on somebody else for money. I never wanted to be in the position where I was asking for gas money, I was asking for this, asking for that or whatever. And hear me, for you say, that's me too. That was pride, not maturity. We may not realize this, but in life, we've been conditioned to never be dependent. Never be fun. Never be in the position where you need somebody. You listen to culture. You listen to music. Where are my all-dependent women at? Where are my independent women at? 
this for you. Don't be waiting on no man to provide for you. I'd just like to speak on behalf of some men, not all men. I would love to be a dependent man. Y'all don't got to be independent. I can be dependent. I got no problem. She can make more winter, go work, and take that paycheck and deposit it in our joint account. I will, I will spend it like it's mine. I got no problems. I'm here for the sugar mama. I ain't got no, I got no problem. Now, a lot of men come and say, hey, man, Pastor, I can't say it out loud, but I'm with you. We actually train our kids, our daughters. No, get your degree. Have your plan. Have your, never be dependent on a man. It's this culture now where we're trying to push everybody and their grandma into being an entrepreneur. I'm, I'm a CEO. Really? <laughs> How many employees you got? Well, it's just me for right now. You got a job. <laughs> no, it's just like, you know, don't work for anybody. Just, just, you hold your own future. Don't depend on it. Don't, don't rely on any. And here, it makes sense. Because most people will either knowingly or unknowingly take advantage of you. Most people are only in relationship with you for what they can get. And the second you no longer serve their purpose. And without even realizing it, we've been indoctrinated in this mindset of do not rely on anybody else because nobody can be trusted. All you can count on is yourself. Hear me? Y'all like, where are you going? I'm going somewhere. And then we take this mindset into our relationship with God. He's saying, let me be your shepherd and you be my sheep. Allow me to care for you. Rely on, and we say yes with our worship. But if we're to be honest, I've been dependent for so long, I don't even know how to depend on you, God. So here's what we do. I'll take his forgiveness and I'll give him my shame. I, I, I'll take his power and I'll give him my weakness. But when he asks for control of my life, no, whoa, huh, what? When he asks for our future, no, whoa, whoa, um, no. 37 years of my life, I've been trained to never give control to anybody. I know you God and all that and you died on the cross, but I don't know you like that. I'm just going to hold on to this. Here's why. It's because we missed how he introduced himself. He didn't say, you're the sheep, I'm the shepherd. He said, you're the sheep, I'm the good shepherd. Nothing in the Bible is coincidental. If Jesus went out of his way to say that I am a Good shepherd. He's acknowledging that you've ran into some bad shepherds. And what he's saying is, hear me, I know you've followed some people that have manipulated you and taken advantage of you. 
I know you followed some people that did not lead you to green pastures. They led you to desert after desert after desert after desert. I know you followed some people that were supposed to be there for you, supposed to cover you. And when you needed it the most, they were MIA. But he said, hear me, they were hirelings. They were bad shepherds. That's not who I am. I am the good shepherd. Will you let me lead you? I don't think him calling a sheep is as much of an insult as it is a reality check. God's saying, you need me. You, 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 you can't do this in spite of what America told you. You can't pull yourself up by your boob shafts. You, you can't make something of yourself. Not, not without a shepherd that's leading you. Because here's why, y'all. There's wolves. And they come to find sheep that are by themselves. They don't mess with sheep that are close to the shepherd. John 10.10 10 says this. The thief does not come except to steal and to kill. This guy said, y'all, it's real out there, all right? It's real out there. But I have come that you may have life and that you may have it more abundantly. God, hear, hear me. God has zero desire of controlling your life. Man, I follow God. He can't do this, can't do that, can't do this, can't do that. Can't. God, God, no, no, no. God says, I don't want to control you. You must be able to make your own decisions. He made you that way. God made you with an opinion. He made you with a will. He made, why did he make you that way? Because God has a will and an opinion and emotions. And if you didn't have that, you would not be made in his image. He could have made you as a robot who just did whatever. He did not because he said, you've got to be in my image, which means you've got to have your own opinion. I don't want to control you, but I do want to lead you. I won't force you, but if you let me, I will lead. And by the way, I'm not going to lead you to a restrictive life. I'm going to lead you to life and life more abundantly. But you, you just got to make a decision. You're a sheep and I'm a good shepherd. I'm going to read a verse, Proverbs chapter three, verse five. And the verse starts with a word that for some of y'all is a customer. You don't even realize you did this, but years ago, you made an inner vow that you would never do this again. And yet God's asking you to do it. Proverbs 3, 5. Ready? Trust. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And lean not on your own under. In all your ways acknowledge him. He said, if you let me, I'll lead you on a direct. God is asking, will you? Last person I trust let me down. Yeah, but that was a bad shepherd. I'm a good shepherd. All right, I'll trust you with heaven. No, it's not what I asked for. I said, trust in me with all your heart. And lean not in your ability to figure things out. Will you be the sheep and let him be 
the good shepherd. My wife was preaching out of town this weekend, so I had the kids. We had fun. Ate Lucky Charms for dinner. I've seen more chipmunk movies than a grown man is ever supposed to see in a lifetime. When my wife left, we had three kids. We're right around two and a half right now. I got my oldest Zoe, she's six. My second Roman, he's five. And then I got this 20-month-old Jade. And Jade, Jade, you know, the youngest ones, they just, they just it's survival. It's survival. It's just, these older siblings, they beat me up. The dogs run me over. I just, I got Jade. So Jade's a fighter. And she's, she's learning. She knows mama. She knows dada. She knows mine. And, and my wife's son from her. She didn't even heard this story because we nearly lost Jade over the weekend. I mean, it was like right there. It was dinner time and we turned TV off and said, Jade, go, go to the kitchen table. Sit down. It's time to eat. She, she can't talk a lot, but she understands everything you say. I said, Jade, go to the kitchen table. She said, Why? Come on, ain't parents in the room? Yeah, yeah, better spot where you just like, I did not just hear what I thought. I just hear. This Smurf. This no job having, no rent paying. Got three whole words in my pocket. Had a nerve to ask me why. Forgive me, God's still working on me. I looked at that 18 moment and said, you know why? Because I can make you disappear and make another one who looks just like you. Get over there. What you mean why? Because I said so. Hey, I need you to forgive that person. But God, why? Oh, you ain't laughing no more, are you? <laughs> I promise you this happens. There are moments in heaven where God looks at his angels and he's like, did you hear what they just, what you mean? Because I said so. But we've got this idea that I've got to understand everything God tells me to do before I do it. And it's because we've forgotten that we are sheep. He is the good he said, hear me, if I tell you to do something, it's because there's a greater blessing on the other side. It's because it's taking you to a place that you can never ask, think, or imagine. But you've got to understand, you're not thinking on the same level that I'm thinking on. So, so just do what I told you to do. God talks like that sometimes through his teeth. Do it. <laughs> Give me an example. Nation of Israel, slavery in Egypt. He brings them out of Egypt and he says, Canaan is over there. It, it, it's filled with milk and honey. It's going to be amazing. Here's Israel. It's a two-week journey from Egypt to Canaan. God says, hey, make a right. Right? But that's what you promised me. I know. Go right. That'll take two weeks. That'll take eight months. I can see Canaan there. All I can see here is a Red Sea. God, it don't make sense. We want to go. 
That's an interpretation of tongues, by the way. <laughs> Here's what Israel did not know. Later, God explained. He said, if you had gone the two-week journey, there were some nations and some armies that were waiting for you. And you would have gotten in a fight, but you've been in slavery for 400 years. You don't know how to fight yet. If you went the two-week journey, you would have never made it to your promise because another enemy that you don't know about would have taken you out. This way gives you time to prepare and to learn and to trust and to figure out a fight. You think I'm taking you the long way. I'm taking you the way that you'll actually get there. So like your mama told you and like you heard in your prayer closet and like your friends told you, dump the girl, she ain't it. <laughs> but God, why? He said, because when I send it, it'll all make sense. But as of right now, will you let me be your shepherd or not? How does he lead me? With his voice. You, hang on. I was going to throw a video out, but I didn't want to take no video. Take away my preacher's time. Do it on your own time. Go on YouTube. Every shepherd has a unique sound. And the sheep know the sound of their shepherd. So, for example, if the shepherd's from Baltimore, he may be like, hey, you're. <laughs> and all the Baltimore sheep said, hey, you're. I don't know. I ain't from PG County. What do you say? I'm PG. What do <laughs> I don't know. But there may be 20,000 sheep in a pasture, four shepherds with 5,000 sheep eat, just chilling, having fun. When the shepherds are ready to go, the Baltimore shepherds say, hey, And 5,000 Baltimore sheep say, that's us. Watch, it'll blow you. 20,000, 5,000 sheep. Woo, boom. Because I know that sound. That's my shepherd. Here's what God said. John 10, 27. He said, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. I have a simple question. Come on, college student. Graduate in three weeks. Do I take this job? Do I go after that master's degree? Do I? Take a summer to find myself? Don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do that. You ain't going to find nothing. There ain't nothing to find. <laughs> Don't do that. How about in saying, what do I do? Say, God, where are you leading me? I'm going to be a sheep. You be the good shepherd. And I'll follow you. Look at your name. Come on, give me an elbow. Give me an elbow. I don't know about the sheep thing. I don't know about the sheep thing. <laughs> just ask him. Just ask him. Come on. Say, say, but what's in it for me? What's, I mean, I'd be, I'm down with the sheep thing, whatever, but what do I get out of it? Write this down. His sheep lack nothing. He said, if, 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 I mean, let me just read it. Psalm 23. Verse one. I feel it. I feel real authoritative. I feel like you're a senior pastor today. I'm going to be out for four weeks. I'm going to give you a homework assignment. Cool? I don't know. Let me hear it. Hey, let's memorize Psalm 23. You ever memorize the entire chapter of the Bible? It's only eight verses or so. It's, it's, can we do this? 
Cool. It's going to show up in an email tomorrow morning. Whole verse will break it down. Memorize. Here it goes for you. Psalm 23, verse 1. The Lord is my. You see, I did last service. Y'all got this all messed up. Y'all just got it so King James in your head. The Lord is my. I shall not. One tenth. He leadeth me behind still water. Yeah, no, I walked. The church is coming up out of you. It's not what it says. Read the verse. The Lord is my shepherd. Watch this. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside. Come on, King James. It don't say still. It don't say still waters. No. This translation says quiet waters. Let's try this one. He He restoreth. I don't know what this refreshing is. I ain't been refreshed my whole. He restoreth. You don't even know what a restoreth is. Spitting on the neighbor in front of you. Just somebody just like. (laughs) He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right path for his names. Here's what God said. He said, you let me be your shepherd. You be my sheep. There's nothing that you need that you won't have. Here's what's wild, and we do not realize this. For 99.99% of all Christians, that verse is really difficult to comprehend. Because for most of us, most of our lives, we were sheep with no shepherd. By the way, that's what it looks like to be an unbeliever. We all sheep, just some of us have a shepherd and some of us don't. And for those years where Stephen didn't have a shepherd, no one was leading me to good places. No one was bringing me to green pastures or still waters. Whatever I had, I had to find it myself. So I was indoctrinated in surviving and striving. I was indoctrinated in all you're going to get is what you can get. Now all of a sudden, here God says, no, no, no. You lack nothing. I've got you covered. What that mean? All I've ever done in my life is lack. I either did not have enough money for the opportunity that I wanted, or by the time I got the money, someone else had taken the opportunity. So all I know is lack in resource and lack in means. God is saying, that's because you've been a sheep with no shepherd. Here's my promise to you. If you allow me to be your good shepherd, I will make sure that you lack nothing. And by the way, for those of us who have been in church for too long, he ain't just talking about money. God says, I will provide peace. I'll provide friendships. I'll provide creative business ideas. I'll provide open doors. I'll provide healing. I'll provide romance. I'll provide whatever you lack, I will. James chapter one, verse 17 says this, every good gift, And every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights. Don't miss this. 
with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. Somebody say variation. Variation. Say shadow of turning. You know what that means? God says, I will gift you, I'll provide for you, and I've got no alternative motives. You ever had somebody who gave you a free gift and it cost you too much? Because with that gift came guilt. Yeah, 10 years ago, they loaned you $50. Remember that time? I do actually, because you will never let me forget. God says, no, no, I'm the father that gives good gifts and don't give you a I gotcha on the other side. Will you let me provide for you? Once again, we have no idea how much of culture we've been indoctrinated in. One of the things we've been indoctrinated in is as the man of the household, as a, you're the provider. You, your job is to provide for clothes on their back, food on the table, roof over. And if you can't provide, you're not a man. Come on now. And then we, it's amazing how we'll take culture and then we'll throw Bible on it and try to make it God. Well, the Bible said, if a man doesn't work, he shouldn't eat. It does. But you got to read it in context. God says, hear me, men. You're not the provider. Woman who's, I've, I can't count, I'm going to provide for myself. You're not the provider. God's the provider. I may provide through your intelligence. I may provide through your hard work. I may provide through your business idea or through your employer. But hear me, you, your hands, your brain, your employer, those are tools that God uses to provide for. I'm not preaching being lazy. God's going to provide. Well, But what I'm saying is the responsibility is not on you. The responsibility is on him. And God is saying, if you don't see yourself as the sheep, you're going to take on responsibility that you were never meant to carry. It's going to stress you out. Now you got pimples and ulcers and your hair falling out. And you just, you look like a provider. I got to chill out, (laughs) y'all. God is saying, no, no, that's that's my job. By the way, the number one way to show God that I believe that he's my provider is through tithing. Because if I believe that he gives me all that I need, then I have no issue letting it go. But if I have an issue letting it go, the real issue is I don't know if more is coming. And I don't really trust that he is my provider. That's good preaching, but it ain't true. I lack nothing. That's cute. I walk my bank account to that platform right now. I ain't going to show everybody else. I'll show you mine. That's lack. Look right there. L-A-C-K. Lack. He said, I lack nothing, but I need a car. I need an employee for my business. I need... Here's what I've discovered. He didn't say, I'm going to give you everything you want. He said, I'm going to give you everything that you need. And if I don't have it yet, then I must not 
Don't miss this. Don't miss this. If God has not yet taken me to the next season, there's something more that this season has to bless me with. And I'm like, God, I need that. And God says, I'm going to get you that. But for right now, there's something about being single that's going to take you to a level that you can never ask, think, or imagine. There's something about not having kids yet that's going to take you to a season that's above and beyond all that you could ever ask, think, or imagine. And I know you're believing me for the next season, but just hold on just a moment because there's still a blessing in this. If I haven't moved you yet, there's something good for you that's still here. Last thing is this, write this down. His sheep are protected. All right, all my King James people, here you go. You ready? Verse four, yay! Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. You are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the make my haters watch me win. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house. Come on. All right. Don't judge me, even though y'all will. I told y'all I like watching TV shows. I watch stuff with murder and pillaging and all that. If nobody does, the first three minutes, I turn it off. I need, pray for me. God's still working. I like, I like mafia movies, y'all. The mobsters, you know, Sicily and all that kind of stuff. And mob movies, they got this dude. He's, he's a made man. What does that mean? It means don't touch him because he's protected by the family. And if you touch him, you got to deal with the family. Look at somebody next to you tell them I'm a maid sheep. Come on, tell somebody. Tell them I'm a, I'm a... Now, don't tell nobody out this room because out of context, that's corny as I don't know what. Have you ever seen a ferocious sheep? Have you ever seen a sheep that you're... You might be afraid of animals, but like a wolf is afraid of? Ain't nothing scary about a sheep. He said, but you don't have to fear. You know, we read the Bible, we judge the disciples. And when they were in the storm, and Jesus sleeping in the boat, and they woke him up, Jesus, don't you care that we're dying? It's easy for us to say, y'all have no faith. Have you ever been in a situation where the storm was so heavy, you wondered, did God care about you? I have. And you're like, you sleep? Did you see that doctor's report? Didn't you hear what they just, where are you? I've discovered in those moments where I'm overcome with fear and the shadow of death, it's because my eyes are more on my problem than it is on my shepherd. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because I'm strong enough to get through it. That's not what it says. Because God's empowered me to fight my way through. That's not, why am I not afraid? Because God is. The only saving grace a sheep has is that the shepherd is right there. And when a wolf comes, the shepherd's going to handle it. 
And when a bear comes, the shepherd's going to handle it. And when cancer comes, the shepherd's going to handle it. And when job loss comes, the shepherd, it's, it's not my job to protect myself. I, I've got a good shepherd. Then, then, then the psalmist goes on. It says, his rod and his staff, they comfort me. I read stuff like this. I was like, oh, the psalmist grew up in a timeout household. Some of y'all grew up in timeout households. That's why we got Freedom Conference for people like you. I ain't grow up in timeout. I grew up in knockout household. I hate you, mom. Go to your room. You're in timeout. I didn't grow up like that. My dad was here first service. He was shouting amen. I grew up in the house. You say something about the side of your neck? Wait, not, I'm not, not child abuse. No punching kids in the chest. That's child abuse. No slapping them in the face. Now there's something worse to do. Wait till they take a shower. Ain't nothing about a wet bum just like, whoo! <laughs> My dad's rod and his staff brought zero comfort. I'm looking at Psalm like, you messed up because his rod and his staff do. But then I, I, I understood what he was saying. A shepherd would use their staff as a journal. And every time they would have a major life event, they would take a knife and they would etch a symbol in the staff to remind themselves about that moment. So when that shepherd boy David was out in the field with his father's sheep and a lion came and he defeated the lion, he would have taken a knife and etched it. Here goes Simba in my staff because God brought me through that. And when the bear came and he defeated the bear, here comes Yogi Bear in the staff and God delivered. So when he's standing in front of the giant, that's why he said, the same God who delivered me from the lion and delivered me from the bear is going to deliver me from this uncircumcised Philistine. What David was saying is, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I have no fear because my God is with me. And this rod and this staff, it reminds me of how good he has been to me. And if he did it then, and he did it then, and he did it then, he's going to do it again. Is there anybody under the sound of my voice that you can testify that my God has been with me. He delivered me in 2013. He covered me in that car accident. He's been better to me than I've been to myself. And I don't know how this is going to turn out, but I know that he's for me and that he is going to... Can you take about 30 seconds and praise God for what he has done and what he has delivered you from and what he has protected you from? Some of us need to praise God for what he has done. Some of us need to praise God from what he has kept us from. Because that car should have gone off the road. That report should have come back differently. I should have lost that job. That person should have walked out. But he kept me. And when I remember that my shepherd has protected me in the past, I can have peace in the valley of the shadow of death. Because he hasn't changed. He's still for me. If you're on your seat, hop up on your feet. If you stand, I'll end. <laughs> Two quick thoughts and we'll be done. He prepareth a table for me in the presence of my enemies. Once again, y'all don't watch enough TV. 
You ever seen those battlefields in the medieval days when they all camp out on the field? Who's the only person that brings a table to the battlefield? Sitting there with goblets and steak and all. The king. You ever seen those movies? Sitting on the table with his generals and they're drawing up the plan. Why is he eating at a table on a battlefield? Because he has no intention of going out to that battle. I sit here and I come up with, the, and then the army, here, God says, here's why I'm preparing a table for you in the presence of your enemy, because you're in a battle, but this ain't your fight. You sit there and enjoy of the goodness of the Lord and let me deal with the situation because I'm your good shepherd. When I remember I'm a sheep, sheep weren't designed to fight. Sheep were designed to stay behind the shepherd and let the sh I'm going to fight my way through. Stop that. You look like you've been fighting your way through. Stop fighting your way through. And let him fight. Last thing that he protects you from. You ready for this? He protects you from death. He said, I'm going to make sure that your death is not the final end of your story. You know death is the number one thing people are afraid of? Pastor, that's not true. I'm not afraid of death. I'm more afraid of snakes. No, you're not. You're afraid of getting bitten by a snake and dying. You're afraid of death. I'm not afraid of death. I'm afraid of heights. No, you're not. You're afraid of falling and dying. I'm afraid of spiders. No, you're not. You're afraid of getting bitten by the wrong spider and So God said, I'm going to forget all those other fears. Let me just deal with the ultimate fear. I'm going to make sure you never have to be afraid of death again. And when I tell you how he did it, y'all, it'll blow your mind. Jesus said, here's how I'm going to make sure that you never, I'm going to make sure that my sheep are never afraid of death. He said, here's how I'm going to do it. By becoming a sheep. Think about it. He's the lamb that was slain before the beginning of time. God says, here's what I'm going to do to cover you. I'm going to become you. I'm going to walk through the same pain, face the same rejection, experience the same abuse, have the same people walk out on me, and then I'm going to take that to the cross, and I'm going to break the curse of it off of your life. So I'm not some God up in heaven saying, get your act down there together. I'm the one who sat high and came low and took on the form of humanity so I can rescue you from the pain of this earth. So to all my type A personalities, to all my one threes and eights on the Enneagrams, to all my secure in the bag, home of future don't stop doing that but can you do it as a sheep instead of a shepherd can you do it as if it doesn't all depend on you it actually depends on him can I tell you it's better that way it's more peaceful that way you'll enjoy life more that way father God we are grateful that you're a good shepherd. And God, that you lead us besides still waters. Just so you're standing with your eyes closed, can you pray this prayer with me? Say, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me? 
For some of you, God is saying, it's not all on you. Drop that pressure I didn't put on you. For some of you guys saying, get your eyes off that storm and get your eyes locked on me. I'm with you. For some of you, God is saying, it's time to make a decision. Are you going to follow the shepherd? Are you going to surrender to the one who died for you? For so many of us, we, we know church, but we don't know surrender. Maybe you're new to an atmosphere like this, but if you'd be honest with yourself, you say, Pastor, God is not the one leading and guiding my life. I am. And I'm ready to give him control. If that's you, you can make that decision right now. I'm not going to have you walk the aisles or anything like that. You can pray right where you are. You say, Pastor, that's me. I'm exhausted. I'm tired of being a sheep with no shepherd. I, I need Jesus in my life. If that's you, say, Lord Jesus, I ask that you would be my shepherd, that I would be your sheep. I surrender. Thank you for dying on the cross like a lamb going to slaughter for my sin, for my mistakes, for my redemption. And right now, I give you all of me. Be my Lord, be my Savior, and use me for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Come on, can you celebrate for every single person?